McLeod shoots. Not down. A rebound. Score! Chandler Stevenson. Rebound goal for the Knights. Chandler with two great looks in that sequence. Nobody is ever satisfied with one. So we're back for a second hour of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Michael shuffling down to the goal line. Carlson dancing out in front. Score! Backhand pass. Carlson to Marcheseau. What a goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Here is Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Golden Knights have arrived in Denver in advance of tomorrow night's game against the Colorado Avalanche, and then it's back home for a contest against the Boston Bruins on Thursday. So back-to-back coming out of this nice little stretch where they've had some time to recover, recuperate, and practice and dive in and uh, get a little healthier and uh, work their way through a bit of uh, uh, just – tiredness and the dog days of the season normally that doesn't really happen until february but uh they played so much hockey coming off last season uh it was sped up in the advanced uh uh fatigue factor uh, certainly played a role. So looking forward to seeing these two teams. Uh, Boston has followed up uh, what was a really surprising and then a uh, epic season uh, a year ago with another good campaign and Colorado is always dangerous. So uh, measuring stick uh, back-to-back set as Vegas looks for consecutive wins uh, trying to follow up their victory against the New York Islanders. We've got a couple of tickets to give away to the game against the uh, National Predators. We'll do that in just a little bit. Uh, two sets of tickets there. Uh, the game next on uh, Monday. And we have one-timers news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Uh, with this uh, three-day break uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights, what, do you, what are you most uh, excited about? What do you think the biggest impact will be as they will turn around and play three of the next four with a Saturday date against the Calgary Flames? Um, I, I think for me, the biggest impact is kind of uh, hopefully a, a sharpness of their game, right? Like I think that, you know, you look at the first period against the Florida Panthers, I thought the Golden Knights were sharp in that first period. They were really good, uh, but then they, they weren't able to kind of carry that over in the second and the third period. And then you look at the, the game against the New York Islanders. Again, I thought that they were sharp in that first period, and then they did carry it through uh, in the second and third period. Forecheck was established. They were really good inside the offensive zone. They weren't defending for long periods of time. And that because they were managing the puck well and they were sharp in, in kind of execution on their breakout. So uh, more than anything else, I think that you just kind of getting that attention to detail and that sharpness to their game for longer stretches of time is, is really the direction that I'm looking at here because you're going to need to have those details ironed out against Colorado and Boston specifically over the next two games. Yeah, we always hear 60 minutes or a full game mm-hmm. or three complete periods. Uh, from coaches around this sport it's tough to do and you're going to have certain lulls but uh, Vegas uh, was creeping back towards that direction Uh, the game against Mm -hmm. the Los Angeles Kings right before the Winter Classic was a really encouraging sign that wasn't followed up uh, at the Winter Classic which I'm willing to throw out but the Florida Panther game uh, was a an eye-catcher uh, because mm-hmm. of how that game got away from Vegas after a pretty good first period. Uh, you'd like to be able to assert more control over a game. You did see that uh, against the New York Islanders in an even first period. Islanders had more shots, but 
sometimes that can get uh, a little out of skew from where they were shooting, just like the Los Angeles Kings game. But uh, uh, I thought they, they were able to push back against the New York Islanders much better than uh, than the loss against the Florida Panthers. So that, that offers some really encouraging play. Uh, they didn't give up a lot against the Islanders, uh, and when they mm-hmm. did, Logan Thompson uh, was there. Uh, I do consider uh, the New York Islanders to be a playoff contender uh, in the Eastern Conference. So let's see with the answer and the response by Vegas coming off the disappointment of the Panther game in which there was some despair and some frustration uh, from the coach and a little less so from the players, but uh, uh, an acknowledgement that they had to be much better. Uh, How much can they take some of that urgency that you did witness against the New York Islanders and transfer that over against the Colorado Avalanche? Or was it like what we saw against L.A., where it was more that that game ended up being sort of a one-off, and then they regressed uh, for the next two. Yeah, I, I think that continuity is probably the word you're looking for, right? Like you want to see what they did well in that first period against Florida, what they did well through throughout the 60 minutes against the New York Islanders. You want to see them be able to kind of get back to that level in, in that game against Colorado and Boston. You want to see that they're moving in the right direction, that they're building upon their game, and it's not just kind of these one-offs here and there where the Golden Knights put together a really strong performance, and then uh, they're kind of back into some of those habits that, that have not gone particularly well for them uh, of late. So I, I mean, I am interested to see if they can kind of continue uh, to build on what they did well against the Islanders and bring that into another really strong opponent tomorrow night in Colorado against the Avalanche, who the Golden Knights really did uh, kind of embarrass early on this season to the tune of a 7 nothing victory at home uh, earlier on. So I, I, the Avalanche will be mighty motivated in this game to kind of return the favor to Vegas. You also got uh, a team that's feeling fresher with the time off. And Mm -hmm. I think that is going to give them a little more jump uh, in their game. Just a little more enthusiasm about uh, being in the game. Now, it it can also go the other way, Ryan, at least in the short term. Because we've all been there, and uh, and everybody listening uh, has been there. At some point during the the year, you get so overwhelmed that you're just trying to keep up with day-to-day, whether it's the kids or work or... Uh, your own extracurricular activities, and you're running ragged, and you're just barely holding on, and you finally get that opportunity to rest or take a step back. And when things crank back up, you you kind of get thrown off the treadmill a little bit because you, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to jump right back into that pace. And that would be the, the biggest concern about uh, tomorrow night would be uh, the start of the game uh, against the Colorado Avalanche, whether or not you just automatically snap your fingers and you're ready to go and and uh, fire it up and uh, and everybody's back. Uh, there might be uh, a little bit of just catch-up. Uh, we, we talk about the fourth period effect uh, on a back-to-back games uh, where that first period of game number two, you're already warmed up because you, you played the night before and you're ready to go, and then the back end of the game, uh, is where uh, 
tiredness uh, will will play a role. Uh, this one may be the opposite tomorrow night, where it just takes a little while to get going. Yeah, it's it's certainly fair. I think that that's that's an option on the table. But in the case that that happens for the Golden Knights. I think that what you're looking for is weather any storm early from Colorado and then get settled into the game as quickly as possible. And and that's really what it's going to boil down to is whether or not um, the Golden Knights have their legs immediately, whether or not they're dialed in early. If that's not the case, still recognizing that you're in the game no matter what, even if you don't have the best start that, that, that you'd like to have. We'll also see uh, whether or not uh, the the lines, the combinations stay the same. Uh, who's in the lineup uh, tomorrow night? Uh, does sound like Aiden Hill will return. Don't know yet about the blue line. Uh, and up front, uh, you're looking at uh, some absences and uh, without uh, a Carlson or a Carrier uh, for the next little bit. Uh, we'll see where that goes uh, for Vegas. Nick Watt does appear that he's going to play a bigger role uh, on this team, both on both halves of the special teams and uh, with the, with his own grouping. Yeah, and I think that game for, for Nick Wall was incredibly important, right? Against the Islanders, he has two goals, but he was so assertive with the puck. He was really good on the forecheck. I mean, that line in particular, Brett Howden, Nick Wall, and Keegan Colasar, they were a menace down low. They were really connected and played really well. And I love the fact that Nick Wall just took the puck to the net, right? Like, you see it on his first goal. He pulls it off the wall. There's space in front of him, and he just improves his shooting angle and rips one by... Uh, Ilya Sorokin. So when you have Nick Waugh kind of leaning into and, and being assertive in that way, I, I think that that's what Bruce Cassidy is looking for, him, uh, looking from for from him. And it's now up to Nick Waugh to kind of keep bringing that night in and night out, especially with William Carlson out of the lineup. I wasn't completely sure, but I was confident that that first goal by Nick Waugh went off Keegan Colasar uh, off the line. Yeah. I, I, it just, it, it looked like it the way the puck wobbled, uh, right mm. after it, uh, it got by the screen, uh, of, of Colasar. It just had that, uh, that appearance to it. Uh, it wasn't a tip. It was just more that it went off him, but, uh, Colasar said no. Uh, and it was all Nick Waugh. I, I like the, the other goal that Nick Waugh scored where he fakes going back, uh, to the point. And with was full like uh, I talked to Nick today about it because the the defender bit entirely where he uh, mm-hmm. Nick Wah faked uh, passing it back to the point, but he did so like it was going to be a slap shot that was going to go all the way down and find Logan Thompson, like it was mm-hmm. it was a full scale sell job, and and he worked and he came around and took the shot on net and it and it ate up uh, Sorokin and managed to go through and uh, it didn't end up mattering but mm-hmm. Nick Wall went right through the top of the crease after he let that puck go and if it wasn't going to cross the line because of inertia or a rolling puck Nick Wall was able to was going to be there to be able to tap at home and uh I think uh, I think he can gain a lot of confidence but being on both special teams mm-hmm. uh it it could set up Nick Wall for a run uh which he he's kind of Right in that uh, precipice of, we talked to him at the start of the year about the twenty goal season. He yeah. that that's still in play right now for for Nick Waugh. 
Yeah, you're you're right. It is. I, I mean, he's he's got a little bit of ground. I would I would argue to kind of catch up there. But you know, eight goals in in 31 games right now for Nick Waugh, it's certainly within reach if he can kind of get hot and play with the confidence we saw him play with on on Saturday against the Islanders. I thought he was really good. I expected him to have a a strong performance in that game and now as as we've kind of talked about a couple of times here with the Golden Knights, it's about continuity from game to game. It's about bringing uh, that same level of your game uh, to to the next one and the next one and the next one. So um, I'm I'm looking for Nick Waugh, especially in the absence, as I mentioned, of William Carlson, uh, to kind of be a player that you can rely on to score for you because you need that production from somewhere. He's been playing with Jack shorthanded. Uh, they've mm-hmm. been the combination. Mm-hmm. Uh, out on the penalty kill, and so it's it's eight goals in thirty one games for for Nick White. Yeah, right? yeah. All right, so it's, yeah. he's got forty two games left on the season. Uh, he hasn't played in every game, so he's got basically uh, eight in the first forty games uh, of the team's campaign. And you look at those goals per game average. If he's able to play the rest of the way, he should be able to get to that twenty goal mark. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm excited about uh, this opportunity. If he's going to play up in the lineup or uh, a more um, leaned-on role uh, with uh, with Bruce Cassidy, I- I'm confident that he's going to be able to get there. Yeah, I-, I see no reason that he can't, right? Like, you know, again, he's he's got all the talent in the world. He- he's got a great shot. He He can... You know, do some damage. We talk about Nick Waugh as being more than just a fourth line center, and I think that you know you see it in flashes. Now it's just about kind of that consistency. And as you mentioned, being on the penalty kill, being on the power play, having more ownership in those situations should give him more confidence. And if he's playing with confidence, hopefully the puck will continue to go in for him. Hey, we haven't talked a lot about Paul Cotter lately, no. but he's been moved around uh, on the forward lines and. and- I've I've liked what I've seen uh, of his game. Uh, there's been more range there than I think I was giving Paul credit for. I think of him as a skilled guy. Uh, certainly has a body that can that can bang and uh, and be physical, but his uh, abilities to play more of a puck possession game and blend with different line mates based on what's needed of him, whether it's mm-hmm. more skill, whether it's crash, whether it's just protect the puck, or whether it's being open for uh, somebody to distribute the puck to. Uh, I think we're witnessing some growth in Paul Cotter's game. There's a lot of versatility to what he's doing right now Is as you mentioned, we know he's got individual skill, but he's also got a a body that that uh, can hold on to the puck, that is strong. That is, you're kind of seeing him come to that realization that, you know, when he's got the puck, someone has to take it from him, right? Like he has the ability to hold on, wait a couple of beats, make a play, find the right play, or find the right player to to kind of move the puck to. And I think the more he figures that out and discovers it the the better he's going to be as a pro in the National Hockey League. I've liked him 
alongside Michael Amadio and Grigory Denisenko. I thought that line had some really good looks. They got to the front of the net. They made life difficult on Ilya Sorokin. So I want to see how that continues to progress for those three in particular. And a lot of it has to do with Paul Cotter's stubbornness when he plays at times, holding on to pucks and being just hard to play against. I think that, that that's a layer to his game that's there, and, and he can be an absolute bull when he wants to be. He's a guy that I think is learning how strong he is. Yeah, that's fair. Like there's the he doesn't realize how his own strength. That that kind of has some some accuracy when you're talking about Paul. Mm-hmm. I I think it does, and I you know it, it kind of shows on on the the goal that William Carlson scored against the the Los Angeles Kings that ended up being the eventual game-winning goal. Like, you, you had Arthur Kaliev draped all over Paul Cotter, and he just was not going to be moved off of the puck. And when you have that tenacity, but then you've also got the strength to back it up, all of a sudden, the the world kind of unlocks for you, right? Because you know that you have the ability to hold on to the pucks long enough to make plays. And I think as Paul continues to learn that and continues to grow into that, uh, you're going to see him make some really good plays based solely on his ability to be tenacious on the puck, to hold on to the puck, and and be a, 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 a just a strong, strong guy on his skates um, in those situations. And I, I think the more he leans into it and the more he learns it, the better he's going to be. And he's still got the skill that's available yeah. to, to play a more delicate game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you go back to the, the what was it, third or fourth game of the year against the Philadelphia Flyers and the move behind uh, between his own legs and the cut back to change the angle on the shot to score the goal that's the game winner. Like, he can finesse you, but he can run you over as well. And I think when you kind of marry those two things, you get a really good hockey player. And that's what Paul Cotter is is kind of trending toward in his career. Vegas will roll four lines at you, and we saw that against the New York Islanders. The ice time distributed among the blue liners was really eye-catching. You had one guy over 20 minutes, one player, and that was with two guys inserted in the lineup that had never played uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights in the National Hockey League before in Lucas Cormier's NHL debut and then Toby uh, Bjornfoot uh, making his VGK debut. And it was so balanced right across the board, which was so uh, impressive. And uh, you had uh, a player like Nick Waugh uh, coming up with with a couple of goals uh, and and that is offset uh, or balanced by the top of the lineup and Jack Eichel and what he's been able to do. You know, there's there's a handful of guys on this Golden Knights team that are having career years. Eichel's pushing the pace for a, for a forty hundred. Uh, has some ground to make up, but uh, he's he's right there. Thirty ninety looks like it's going to be uh, a lock. Uh, from a point perspective, Jonathan Marchessault is uh, pushing new ground. Uh, with with the uh, with his season, uh, you also have William Carlson, who's back into form. Now this is going to cost him some some of his uh, his rate uh, of production being out of the lineup. But a guy that uh, that is right there when it comes to career performances that might be flying under the radar is Mark Stone. Like mm-hmm. the 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 points that he's putting up right now and the pace that he's on has the potential 
to be the best season ever for Mark Stone from a point perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Mark's been that's quiet. <laughs> it's, so, it's happened quietly. So good. Though. Yeah, and and that's that's I think probably the best way to say it for Mark this year, right? Is that like he's kind of flown under the radar, as under the radar as the captain of your hockey team that is, you know, finding ways to have three and four point nights every now and again and and be the the, the number one star in these big time games. Like a lot of the attention still goes to Jack Eichel. A lot of the attention has gone to William Carlson for the resurgence, and I think it maybe speaks to the consistency from Mark Stone year over year, even in the in the face of injury, where he has just kind of been the, the, the same guy that he's always been in terms of his production, goal scoring points, all that. Uh, but you're right. He's he's right off of uh, 40 goals and 40 or 40 points in 41 games. And if he can get there, I mean, we're talking about an 80 point year for Mark Stone, which would be huge. Yeah, and uh, and that is following up what he did in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, having the second back surgery, and he is uh, just going, and uh, that is great to see. So that's the balance of the of the Vegas Golden Knights, and there's other guys having great seasons too. Braden McNabb, uh, right up there, uh, and Shea Theodore was on a brilliant pace before uh, he had surgery. There's four lines, there's uh, three pairs, and they have a tandem in goal. Uh, when everybody's healthy. That's the DNA of the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they lean on everybody, and that's how they won the Stanley Cup. Think of uh, the play of Michael Amadio and Brett Howden and what they were able to do to help out up front last year, or Zach Whitecloud and Nick Hague to contribute as that third pair uh, a year ago. Much different than, say, the Edmonton Oilers, who have backed off a little bit in, in their ice time of McDavid and Dreisaitl. Those two aren't playing together anymore. So that's uh, just seeing a little bit of a decrease. But they're still like the, the guys that, that drive everything uh, with you. Well, there's a big reason why they're going for an eighth straight win tonight. Uh, Toronto uh, leans on uh, the, the big five uh, up front. Uh, when you call uh, call in John Tavares' name uh, with that group, the Colorado Avalanche are they they don't get as much play with this. But uh, Jeff Sharple sent me this last night. I listened to the game on the radio, the Bruins against the Colorado Avalanche as I was bouncing around the valley, and Sharple sent me the ice time from the from the Avalanche, and mm. it 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 was mind blowing. Did you guys get a chance to, to look at it at, at all? I've got I've got the ice time for Makar, Ranton, and McKinnon. Okay, in the top but, three. But in the it's game. it's it's the other players too. Like <laughs> the, the the guys that are getting all the ice time, and then mm-hmm. there's guys that barely played. Yes, yes. And Poland and uh, uh, Olafson didn't didn't crack five minutes of of ice time. Uh, McDermott. Didn't crack five minutes of, of ice time. They yeah. they were really a two line team with three D last night. It, yeah, it more was less. one yeah. of the most extreme performances uh, for a middle of the season game uh, that I've that I've witnessed. It was it went to overtime. I acknowledge that. And Colorado mm-hmm. had six power plays in the game. I acknowledge yeah. that. Um, McKinnon played like almost a three-minute shift to end the game. Rantanen was was right there as well, so yeah. uh, it, it got heightened. But uh, Val Natushkin 
was 27 minutes. That's going to lead any team on any night by forwards yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. for forwards. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he he wasn't in the in the top three uh, on his team last night. Uh, Jonathan Duran, good for him, uh, was over 28 minutes. Uh, yeah. Miko Rantanen was 30 and a half. Nathan McKinnon yeah. was 30 and a half. And we're talking forwards. They, yeah. they, it's not half the game because it went to overtime and went to a shootout. Uh, so you had 65. But 30 and a half by two forwards. And you had three players that were 28 plus. Mm-hmm. And on the blue yeah, line, I mean, Taves was 30 minutes. Cale uh, McCarr was 31 and a half. It, it was astounding. You had you had six players total that were uh, like all all called in the Chuskins twenty six fifty five twenty seven minutes. You had th- uh, six players over twenty seven minutes in ice time. Yeah, it's unreal. Like it, and and you're 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 right in that like you know you look at the power play time and like that's skewing things certainly in one direction. Um, you know, as as most of those players, at least the forwards anyway, all had about eight minutes or in change of power play time, but they will redline their stars. They will redline the guys that are going for them. Um, and it's, it's kind of a, a, you know, just a, the way that the Colorado's kind of built right now, like they're not as deep of a team as they were when they won the Stanley cup, but they've still got the horses that kind of make everything go if they're getting an, enough, you know, time on ice. And your plays almost every game for them in goal and has done a, a yeah. wonderful job. I don't think you'll see the same type of uh, distribution tomorrow night against uh, a Vegas team that does roll it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think um, uh, the Avalanche are well aware uh, that you're going to run into trouble against a team that could, they can match you. Uh, uh, and and a lot of teams uh, will look at that, and, and that's no disrespect against against Boston, uh, who who are a little deeper. But that that just set up because of all the power plays that, uh, and then uh, because of the back and forth nature of the game, that uh, that they were going to lean into it a little bit. I think I expect it to be more balanced tomorrow night uh, for 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 Colorado. I don't think the McKinnon's going to play 30 minutes uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights. But I, I can tell you this, I'll be watching the event summary uh, and mm-hmm. refreshing it as I go along and I watch the game, which is a TNT game tomorrow night, a uh, national yeah. game for uh, the, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. So uh, not on script sports, uh, not on nighttime plus uh, tomorrow night. Uh, you can listen to it on Fox Sports Las Vegas uh Ashley Vice and Gary Lawless will have a pregame show on Vegas 34 and Nighttime Plus, but uh, but then turn it over to uh, the boys uh, over on uh, TNT. So uh, that's uh, just one little bit of, of housekeeping. Uh, and thank you, to Jeff Sharples, for uh, sending me that uh, that ice time. He he's he is. There's certain people. Uh, Doug McLean, my buddy, former president, coach, and general manager in the National Hockey League, uh, we used to call him uh, the uh, the attendance guru. All he because he's former president, 
and he, he's very focused on the business side. Uh, when sure. he was in Columbus, he, he checked out the box scores, and the first thing he would do, not ice time, not goals, not assists, he would look at the attendance of, of every box score that he looked at. And we used to have so much fun with him uh, with that and, and giving him a hard time. But uh, Sharples is the ice time guy. Uh, he, he, he doesn't look at points at all. He doesn't look at the score at all. He goes down, and uh, his favorite thing, he, he's uh, borderline addicted to the Oilers and, and going through their ice time. And uh, when uh, Jay Woodcroft was coaching that team, and uh, he would say, they can't mm-hmm. win this way, they can't win this way. And last night he was right on the money with, uh, uh, with the extreme ice time of the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, when we continue, we will uh, get into one-timers, news notes from around the National Hockey League, update you on the scores, and also a couple of significant happenings, including that big trade between the Philadelphia Flyers and the Anaheim Ducks. But before we go, we have two sets of tickets uh, to see the Nashville Predators face the Vegas Golden Knights on Martin Luther King Day next Monday. Uh, let's give away one of those right now. It's 702-876-1340. Chapman, you've been awfully quiet today. Uh, just to make sure that you're still there, what caller would you like to give those tickets away to? Well, the game is on the 15th, so let's go with caller number 15. Sounds perfect. I'm just happy you're still there. I was getting a little worried. Uh, one-timers, news notes from around the National Hockey League coming up, plus catching up with Chapman on the way on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for one-timers. one-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. A little more fallout from the big trade involving the Philadelphia Flyers and the Anaheim Ducks that uh, caught everybody's attention. It was uh, a great hockey trade uh, that uh, was inspired by the fact that Cutter Gauthier did not want to be a part of the Philadelphia Flyers organization. Uh, He was sent to Anaheim for a second round pick and Jamie Drysdale. Danny Breer went on the Flyers broadcast and uh, spoke at the intermission of uh, last night's game and uh, just uh, was flat out honest saying that uh, Gauthier uh, had decided that he was not going to play for the Flyers and they had a lot of trouble just uh, getting in touch with Gauthier and his representative uh, going trying to urge him to uh, rethink that and uh, and it became to the point where it was either uh, cut bait or pursue it and if it wasn't going to change they weren't going to be in a very advantageous position to get full value from the player so they tried to keep it really quiet the cutter goche yeah. uh, did not want to be part of the philadelphia flyers and after his performance at the world junior hockey championship uh, the bc product uh, value was extremely high and uh, they managed to turn that into a great young defenseman in jamie drysdale who does appear to be healthy now after uh, a lot of issues over the last uh, two years and uh, and a second-round pick. So I give I give uh, Daniel Briere and Keith Jones a lot of credit by how they handled that and being honest. Uh, and it's a little easier when you make the trade and you get some good value back and uh, and being able to go out there and be honest that uh, that this player who did not show a lot of signs uh, or indications that he wanted to be part of the organization. So uh, being forthright, thank you. And also, good hockey trade, because this is going to help the the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, I have no doubt 
that uh, that they have continued be- to help themselves. The reason why Drysdale was was traded here uh, is because Anaheim has a massively talented stockload of defensemen. A lot like the LA Kings in the last number of years, which is why Jersey and Walker uh, have been Mm -hmm. moved out and why Bjornfoot was uh, put on waivers last week and was being assigned to the Ontario Reign. The the Anaheim Ducks uh, have hit on almost every pick that they've made when it comes to the Blue Liners. They had the... this is I've never seen this before. They had the most valuable defenseman from each of the three Canadian Hockey League leagues mm. last year. Oh, the wow. Western League, yeah. the Ontario Hockey League, and the QMJHL. The best defenseman. So the Canadian Hockey League Defenseman of the Year was a battle between the three finalists were all Anaheim Duck draft picks, and that's why Drysdale yeah. was deemed to be expendable last night. Yeah, and you know you, you kind of have to give something up to get something, and certainly for the Anaheim Ducks, they they feel like they need more up front. They, they need more of uh, an ability or at least a, a threat to, to score goals, and, and that that's what Cutter Gauthier will, will bring to the table for them. But uh, you, you deal from a position of power, and, and that's certainly the back end for the Anaheim Ducks, and I like this for Philadelphia because I like Jamie Drysdale. I know injuries have been an issue for him over the last couple of seasons, but when, when he's healthy... He's really good. He's a good puck mover. He's got offensive instincts, great uh, in the offensive zone as well. Uh, so I like the move for both parties. I don't know why Gauthier didn't want to play in Philadelphia. All the, all the talk at the draft was he was at first-round pick, top, top yeah. six, right? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what changed there, but the Flyers were aware that he had changed his mind about his enthusiasm for playing for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, this is not a remote location. This is not a weather situation. This is not a tax uh, situation. This is one of the great storied franchises in the National Hockey League that is rebuilding, sure, but you have an opportunity to be part of that. I'm, I'm surprised uh, and can't wait because at some point uh, I'm hopeful that we'll get an explanation why Gauthier didn't want to play for the Philadelphia Flyers. Do you do you think that we'll actually get an answer there? I, yeah, it, it will come out at some yeah. point. There, there's enough. Either uh, this, this is where we need the the reporters to do their digging and uh, sure. and really dive into it. But uh, I, again, I talked to Justin Williams uh, for the trip that they'll come on tomorrow, and uh, and he he was. He's special advisor to Don Waddell of the Carolina Hurricanes, along with his media work. He had heard that there were some issues in trying to uh, bring Cutter uh, Goche on board with uh, his future with the Philadelphia Flyers, but there was not a lot else out there regarding that. And uh, and I'm I'm hopeful because I think I think we as hockey fans uh, deserve to know. What would stop somebody from like Adam Fox? All he wanted yeah. to do was play for the New York Rangers. He's drafted right, by exactly. Calgary. He told them he wasn't going to sign there. They traded him to Carolina. He he said, "I'm not playing. That. I, I want to play for the New York Rangers." He <laughs> manipulated his way into getting yeah. what he wanted. Now I don't yeah. like that. Uh, I think uh, when you're drafted, you should report. You should uh, be on board with with the team that uh, selects you. I understand there's certain special circumstances, but 
I'm not a big fan of it, but we we know what was driving him. He wanted to play for the New York Rangers. Uh, yeah. Blake Wheeler back in the day wouldn't play for Phoenix. Uh, demanded uh, to to be uh, uh, dealt. Uh, uh, the um, in Eric Landers. There's there's litany of uh, sure. of examples, yeah. uh, but by and large, we always know the answer or whether they just don't like the organization's uh, future, uh, how they're being handled, uh, but uh, or or they just want to play for another team. I'm hopeful we'll get there. Uh, Jack Hughes is week to week for the New Jersey Devils. Believe it or not, this is a good thing because there was a lot of talk after taking uh, uh, an awkward fall against the Chicago Blackhawks uh, late last week that he was going to be out potentially through the end of the regular season. But that uh, is not the case according to Coach Lindy Ruff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still a, a, a blow for the New Jersey Devils to not have Jack Hughes. He has been so, so good for them all season long. And, you know, this is a team right now that, you know, should be comfortably in a playoff spot. And it just, the traction hasn't necessarily been there for the Devils for, you know, some reasons. I Not having Dougie Hamilton in the lineup, certainly they've had some injuries. Certainly now with, with Jack Hughes uh, missing time again. Um, and goaltending has always been kind of a question there. But the fact of the matter is it, it's still tough not having one of your best players in the lineup night in and night out as you're right on the bubble to make the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see how long he's out for and then the impact that he can have for the New Jersey Devils when he does return um, to the lineup. They've got six guys out of the lineup right now. And Dougie That's Hamilton, you mentioned, but then Siegenthaler, is missing. Timo Meyer, who is making some progress coming back, a big acquisition in last year's trade deadline. Andre Platt and Tomas Nosek. Six guys out of the lineup. We, yeah. we are aware of what injuries can do and how awkward it can make uh, being competitive and difficult. It can be challenging uh, on uh, a stretch of games uh, in mm-hmm. Vegas with uh, the goaltending of, of Aiden Hill being out and Shea Theodore. Uh, being on and now now William Carlson, but uh, but six that's six guys from your lineup out of uh, out of eighteen skaters. That's extreme. Yeah, it really is. And you know, for New Jersey, they're going to have to. You know, I, I think Timo Meyer is getting close, as you mentioned. So you're you're going to have to hope that you get a little bit healthier and that you can play the right way and, and find yourself into a spot in the playoffs, or at least be within striking distance when you get some of those players back in the fold. Okay, let's update the uh, 10 games in the National Hockey League tonight. Uh, Austin mm-hmm. Matthews uh, does have a goal. Uh, Mitch Marner uh, has a goal, so the point night uh, is happening uh, with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs in the game against the San Jose Sharks. 4-1 on, on that side. Uh, as far as big points, uh, Marner's got a pair uh, mm-hmm. And Nylander's got those two assists, but nobody's really putting up big numbers. Uh, other action where we thought we might get uh, some significant uh, production, the Oilers and the Blackhawks are just underway. Uh, the Jets have a one nothing lead uh, over the Blue Jackets, and that one's at the first intermission. So uh, I'm not getting what I wished for. Uh, the Kraken well, are, are blowing away the Buffalo Sabres, though, tonight. The Kraken have won six yeah. in a row. 
and yeah. they have points in eight of the last nine. So here comes the charge, which includes the Winter Classic. But the Seattle Kraken uh, are working their way into contention, tied for a wild card spot coming into play in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Kraken have five goals on the board, and they've still got another period to work with against the Buffalo Sabres. Maybe we should have taken into account uh, Buffalo being in in the fold here, and we we know it has not gone well for them all season long. So, um, yeah, Seattle, five on the board, and they've still got a period to work with. Good for them. Uh, Canucks have a 2-0 lead on the New York Islanders, trying to expand their lead atop the Pacific Division and uh, close the gap on the uh, Winnipeg Jets, or at least keep pace with the Winnipeg Jets, depending on what happens tonight. The LA Kings trying to find their footing uh, as they continue their road trip. Uh, They lead the Tampa Bay Lightning 2-0. Is it time to be concerned about the the Tampa Bay Lightning and where they are halfway through the season? Yeah. Well, yes and no, right? The standings look worse than... They, where, they how do. far behind they are from a playoff spot. They're, they're a point out of a yeah, wild card exactly. spot, but they're sixth in the wild card standings. Right, exactly. Like it, it looks a little bit more dire than it actually is, though you start looking at the games played, and maybe it is a little bit more dire than you think it actually is. I still believe the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to get there, and the only reason, the only basis I have for that is that until they're eliminated from the playoffs, I just assume Tampa Bay is going to figure it out. So they've earned that benefit of the doubt. We'll see when when everything uh, kind of when I, when every team has played 82 games. But I, I'm not terribly concerned about Tampa Bay just yet. Nashville losing to Anaheim two nothing tonight. Uh, Anaheim's been a great story uh, this season. They don't get a lot of the national attention but they have worked their way into a playoff spot as they work uh, into the second half of the season, controlling the first wild card position. Uh, we've got two more tickets uh, to see uh, the Nashville Predators in the Vegas School tonight. Uh, next Monday at T-Mobile Arena, 702-876-1340. Chapman, where are we going? Uh, let's go with caller number nine. Caller number nine will put you in the seats for the Vegas Golden Knights and the Nashville Predators, courtesy of Fox Sports Las Vegas and the VGK Insider Show. Catching up with Chapman next. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. So, and Ryan, of course. Got to say hello to Ryan. Uh, but hey, buddy. How are you? Good. Good, good. You, so, you guys have been on like in contact for two hours. So I've been in Las Vegas since 1999, so I will celebrate 25 years as a Las Vegas resident in April. I have wanted to go to CES for as long as I've lived here. I won't get to go. I don't get to go this year, but I'm very jealous of my wife, Mrs. Chapman, who actually is going to be attending she started today was her first day she's going to be attending ces this year doing translation work for uh, a japanese company that that came here for for the show but i cannot wait to talk to her and hear about some of the really cool things that she got to see because of course ces is the consumer electronic show and it's one of the if not the biggest trade show that comes here every year so if you happen to be here for ces and you're listening to the show welcome to las vegas i hope you have a great time and uh Enjoy some of the really, really cool things that you're going to get to see. What uh, area would you go to first? Uh, I am a, I, I love 
like music and headphones. So I would probably try to find something related to music and, and listening to music sound or, or, you know, something for my, my stereo. I'm, 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 I mean, I'm just a big fan of, of sound. So I would find something that, that fits with the music and the sound. What the next big thing is in sound, like earbuds have taken over. Yeah, I'm more of a headphone guy. I'm not really a big earbuds guy except when I'm at the gym. But, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? When was the last time you were at the gym? Uh, this morning, actually. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm Good try- job, Bobby. Good for you. Not a New Year's resolution, but I am trying to, to be a little healthier. Let's make it a resolution. That way we can check in every now and then, like tomorrow when we're back with you.